Mike Kissarm. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 165 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Gill, admin on the FAQ Message Board. And today I am joined by St. Louis Kiss Lonnie and the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard Ken. Gentlemen, hey. good as always to get to hang out and have a virtual beer. This is not virtual, this is real. Uh, yeah. With both of you. And, uh, and, and, and sit and uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about Kiss. I've got, actually, Lonnie, I have a fridge in my office too, and you know what it's got in it? It's got freaking pomegranate juice, milk, and tea. And yeah, I got. Yeah. I got a I got a cure again here for my coffee. I don't have any beer in here. So yeah, I need, no. to, I, need, I need to remedy that in the future. No no beer at work. That's the one way to end out of work very quickly. Derek that does beers. That's the. All right, Ken. I I've got to ask you. Yeah. Um, inquiring minds want to know what is the status on your vault with Las Vegas coming up this weekend. I, I guess you could pretty much go postal and drive to Vegas and uh, take a baseball bat. Put your finger in somebody's chest. Well, fortunately, I'm not going to have to do that because I did get a notice today that uh, I'm getting a shipment tomorrow, a package, a very big package tomorrow, big, heavy package. Uh, And uh, so I think after me uh, pestering uh, almost daily, uh, you know, and, and everything kept being delayed for uh, getting the vault it's finally finally arriving um so it should arrive tomorrow i cross still cross my fingers even though you know it's it's there and i have a tracking number and and that sort of thing um so uh, crossing fingers right so so you're you've already signed up for the alerts for that tracking number right and you're you're dreading the exception coming through an exception <laughs> due to snowy weather oh yeah, yeah. In, in joliet where's it shipping from is it coming from well LA? actually LA? it's 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 it was shipping from uh, hollywood or down there uh southern california so weather's good so i'm not worried about the truck getting st- stuck in snow at least um so you know so if that that happens, Julian. Um, we'll be able to do our uh, a show, another show, one of our podcasts here on uh, a review of the music. I'm gonna have to dig in pretty hard over the weekend and, and start going through it all. Well, here here's the problem with doing that show, um, Lonnie. You don't have a vault. I do not. Um, when do you get your vault? <laughs> well. You could say, when am I getting my default? When am I getting my vault would also be, when are you getting your divorce? So. <laughs> same day. Right. Same day. <laughs> Turns out, same day. So, yeah, I'm not, I am not getting a vault. I am not getting one. And, that, and that's. Well. And, and, and saying yeah. anything else would not be wise. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> there, there you go. Sometimes things are better left unsaid. Let me move, move on to something that does uh, actually tie in with uh, Ken's question. And, yes, we are going to want to do a kind of, I, I guess, a best of the vault. And that is uh, going to be an episode yeah. where I say we pick our 15 favorite songs off the 
off the the vault and uh, put together a best of the vault CD that Gene would sell online uh, to fans for a normal price. And, and that would uh, just be one way of doing a highlight of the best of the material for each of us off the vault. But obviously not all the guys on the Kiss Have a podcast have one. Um, next week's episode is actually with Nigel, who did the Miami Vault experience, so he's a possibility if schedules work out. But if uh, you out there in listening land want to hop on a um, episode of the Gift FAQ podcast with Ken and me, and you've purchased the Vault and you want to do your 15 favorite Vault tracks and be a part of that, um, you know, why not? I, I say if you're on the board, if you're on Facebook and, and your game, you've got video, you've got Skype that marginally behaves, then why not? You know, let's get some fresh faces on here so that we, we're all kind of in the vault boat together and I uh, can uh, do that kind of episode. So reach out to me on the FAQ or email. I'm I'm not hidden. Everyone knows my email address or on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I'll let you know what time we kind of look to record and we'll see what we can do with that. All right. So today's news actually is guests have been announced for the L.A. The L.A. Jesus. For the Indie Kiss Expo. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, so Keith Lurie posted last week that uh, he's got Ace Frehley, Eric Singer, Bruce Kulick, Bob Kulick, Brent Fitz, Todd Kearns, Michael James Jackson confirmed for Indianapolis May the 12th and 13th. Or is it the 13th and 14th? It's, Mother Day, it's Mother's Day weekend. It's a two-day event. Um, he also says that he's still working on additional guests uh, with details to come soon. And um, they, they've already got a block of rooms at the Wyndon indianapolis west which is i guess the hotel that they usually use i have a dealer table set up i'm going to be there i can't wait it is many many years oh no i'm not going to go into new york group uh you know it's been a long time since i went to indy and it really was the expo of choice back in the day the first uh i went to two of the first three that they did announce their 20 20th anniversary so i can't wait for that i'm excited the guest list looks sick guest list looks like it's got a shitload of possibilities and who knows who else is going to get announced for that because it sounds like um the indie crew are swinging big that's just from the people they've already announced so i will be there i'm going to do another uh, edition of on tour with a custom cover just for that event can't wait so uh hopefully i get to meet you bring in your your books if you want them signed happy to do so and uh, i'll have a couple of titles just for that event all right any other news that I've skipped over? Oh, yeah, Podcast Wars. Let's have a... No, fuck off. We're, we're, we're the fans. They're the band. We're just a bunch of people who get together and talk uh, about Kiss. One thing I, I've kind of been... Uh, I had a nice shout-out from Aaron Camaro. Aaron, thank mm. you so much for the nice things you said in episode 310 of Decibel Geek Podcast, oh, where, where you presented yeah. your mm-hmm. side. Three sides have given their side. You know what? I was on the other side of the room, and I, I, I said it in a post online. I was giggling like a schoolgirl during Vinny's session, um, the music, everything that he was saying. I was just like uh, SpongeBob, all rainbow-eyed. He's up, oh, yeah. he's up on stage. He's like going way into more depth. I didn't notice anything, but again, I was on the other side of the room. And you know what? Again, I don't want to get into inter-podcast rivalries, because everyone who does a podcast, whether or not I listen to them or like them, is irrelevant. It's They are people who are putting time and effort into you know entertainment that's free for everyone else. Or, they're like me, 
putting time and effort into hanging out with other guys who just want to talk about Kiss and shit, um, because my wife will not talk to me about Kiss other than when are you burning that shit, you loser. Um, that's as far as our conversations go at home about Kiss. So podcasts, they're all good. You don't have to listen um, to them all. You know, Julian, I'm on the side, uh, the fourth side. That's the side I'm going to go on. The, vo- the, the side of reason. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Very good. So, so what is that side, Ken? Well, it's the, you know, <laughs> civil and right-minded yeah, yeah, side. Yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just all try and respect each other. And, uh, you know, sometimes yeah. let, let the shit slide. You know, it doesn't have to become a drama point is... is I think what I'm, I'm saying, it's sad. I don't want to see, you know, there's a lot of people out there who do podcasts who I do respect a tremendous amount. And while we're talking about people who we respect a tremendous amount, let's think of Ken Mills, who's been under the weather, oh, yes. has been in, uh, you know, receiving medical care, you know, and that's the kind of shit that matters to me. You know, yeah. that's that's the good side of podcasting, someone who really has given so much to the community and doesn't ask for much. You know, no. occasionally no. You know, promote something of interest uh, to everyone. But that's the side of podcasting that matters. So for everyone who wants to have a debate about podcasts, you suck, you don't suck. This guy's great. This guy's a, a tool. Um, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. I, I, I can say that because obviously I was given a nickname by one of the band uh, members of the FAQ, Tulian. So I, I, I proudly have Tulian. That. <laughs> Tulian. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> You know, just forget about all that shit and and listen to who you want to and ignore the static. All right. Here you go. Should we talk some kiss? And we we don't really have any proper topic thought out for this week. It's more of a kind of relaxed look at some of the stuff that's going on. We've got some, you know, I like the topic of uh, with all the summer tours getting announced. You know, uh, is Kiss mm-hmm. deliberately taking it easy? Do you think? Um, mm-hmm. To hop on the Paul Simon bandwagon and start announcing that, uh, <laughs> like Paul Simon, like Elton John, who else? Elton is? John, yeah. Ozzy again. Well, yeah, who believes Ozzy? No, Ozzy's been on so many farewell tours he lost count. But, <laughs> but, 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 but here, um, yeah, Ozzy, Elton John, Leonard Skinner. Um, so a lot of there's there's several quote unquote farewell tours taking place this this uh this summer so what, well, what's what's kiss's game plan yeah i'm still holding out hope for something uh maybe late in the year later part of the year or late summer um possible um because normally I, from what i remember uh my kiss army membership usually like expires in march and always around that or right close to March or at the beginning of March, that's when lots of times they would announce, uh, a, you know, a, a tour of some sort. Um, so um, I'm kind of wondering if we're going to get anything. I, I guess if I don't hear anything at that point, then they're probably not going to do anything extra. Um, but it, there's that still a possibility that uh, they could do something late later in the year. I'm hoping. The problem is, as most of the summer tour packages are starting to get announced now, uh, sure. Def, Def Leppard's put theirs out. Who, who did they team up with this year? Journey. Uh, Journey. Journey. And isn't it Ann Nilsson? Nilsen, Ann Wilson, um, as well as yeah, is the yeah. third party on one of the packages. Cheap Trick and Poison. 
Well, I, I, right. would, I would take poison to Miss Poison to see Cheap Shrek, if you take my meaning. White um, Snake and Foreigner are going to play um, together also. That's a shame. You know. I don't know. I, I'm not going for the package. I'm going for the big guns. So I'm seeing you too. And then I'm going to see Electric Light Orchestra. No. So ELO is the one that I'm really want to see. I mean, that's the one I picked to, to go to. So, But does does KISS actually, can they tour without a package these days? Because their last few tours have really been reliant. I mean, Lonnie, if, what do you think? Do they need a package? And if, I think if they so. Are taking it easy, if they are taking it easy regardless, should they be thinking about, you know, their final hurrah having a pretty strong secondary pull? You know, I think... I really think they do need a package. If you you look back at the history of what they've done over the last several U.S. tours, obviously the last major tour they here and think about this: the last major tour they did of the United States was it's going to be four years. I mean, four years ago, major market tour of the United States. Let's say that was in 2014, where they teamed up with Def Leppard. But prior to right. that, prior to that, 2012, wow. Motley Crue. Now you can say, well, they did tour 2016. Without a without a big supporting neck, yeah, but was also to smaller arenas in yeah. secondary markets. And okay, but this is but here this is Kiss. We always talk about we're going to show them how the big boys do it. Well, did the big boys play in Allentown, Pennsylvania, or they play in Philadelphia? Hmm. So and we're so my, so if you here and you keep going back, well, okay, summer of ten that they they toured. Um, no major supporting act. Oh nine, Buck Cherry. Nah, not really. Not major. a major. Not a really major supporting act. But the last two times, but then and then you can keep going back. And now we're I know we're more than a decade back then if we mm-hmm. keep going. Oh four, Poison. Oh three, Aerosmith. But okay, well at this point too, Kiss is biding their time. Then they haven't toured the United States properly for a reason, thinking that maybe thinking that well if we wait a while maybe it'll be like. 09 again where we come out and we can play major markets and major arenas and not have to have a major act behind us after not flooding the market year in and year out for several years in a row. It's kind of like they've kind of taken that step back. Like maybe they're looking for another big um, touring opportunity like they had in 09. 45th anniversary tour or a kiss kiss and say goodbye tour you know yeah. like 2019 something like that i i can very well see a yeah a kiss 2019 kiss it goodbye something like that i mean do you, do you think do you think now with the amount of uh, acts and bands that are really starting to put up their hands and say we just can't do this anymore it's time to come off the road um they're, they're just it's been an avalanche of names uh that for most of us have formed the soundtracks to our lives in the last, you know, 50 years for in many cases, do you think we're finally reaching the point where it's time for kiss to think about that, uh, that card and, you know, having seen Gene perform recently, he still mm. sounds great. He looks great, but you know, watching him in Edmonton, it looked like hard work even without the, however many pounds of, uh, demon armor, and all mm-hmm. the rigmarole that it takes on a on a daily or bi daily basis to go through the the ritual and routine of putting on the makeup, the war paint, mm-hmm. as he likes to call it, 
mm-hmm. doing the meet and greets, doing this, doing that, getting up on stage. And the set has shortened. We're, we're back down to 70s length sets now instead of, um, say, 90, mm-hmm. the 90s, yeah. the ultimate era in terms of the amount of material that was performed. Paul, obviously, is the elephant in the room in terms of his decline, even though he's physically mm. it's still an extremely energetic and entertaining and engaged frontman. There's no way of denying that there aren't challenges that he faces. Eric and Tommy, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I still think Eric totally holds it down in the, in the back just fine. Mm-hmm. Tommy is still the same Tommy that he was in 2003, 2004, He's a better Tommy than 2003 and 2004. Oh, yeah. But it, it's yeah. not it's not about those two guys. When you talk about Kiss, Kiss is Simmons and Stanley, or Stanley and Simmons, depending on how you mm-hmm. how, how do you want to go with that. Mm-hmm. So do you think they're, they're trying to stay out of the limelight, whether it's, do you think maybe some of Gene's, you know, uh, kind of negative press issues have made them go a little bit more quiet? He, Gene doesn't seem to be pushing the vault as hard now as he was, you know. Obviously, getting banned from Fox probably didn't help, but uh, you know he, he's 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 not showing he's not showing up on a tremendous amount of diverse and different outlets. I mean, I, I'm I'm really shocked he hasn't been on Eddie Trunk because it, it, regardless of the Paul situation, <laughs> I don't see why Gene would not say, "Hey, Paul, I need to push my product. I need to you know get every avenue possible because these podcast guys, you know, they're too busy fighting with each other to really promote myself." <laughs> well, he. He had the initial push at the beginning, of course. So he was going on all kinds of networks and major networks, even. And then uh, some local news shows of uh, areas where he was going to uh, pop up. Um, I still see. I think he. I'm, I'm guessing he's probably going to show up like in at a news channel in you know Denver or whatever a morning talk show in Denver to try to promote you know that new sh- that new announced show uh, uh, vault show there. Right. Yep. Denver, and, Denver and Seattle. And Seattle, yeah. yeah. And Seattle. So I, I'm I'm guessing they're going to do that. Um, just uh, depending on you know how sales are going, I guess, of uh, the vault for those locations. But it seems to be doing better based on you know the more vault experiences happen, more people are starting to jump on board. I think to you know take that leap uh, and purchase a vault. Yeah, that was one of the things that came across when I spoke with Nigel at the, at the weekend. And obviously, we're out of sync now in terms of where you're listening to these shows and when we're recording them. But, um, you know, Nigel mm-hmm. went to Miami. And uh, again, that show, I don't doubt his his take on the event and how it was different from our experience in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Cicchini's experience, which was, you know, heavily right. Yeah, heavily promoted by Three Sides, obviously as part of their show, and uh, not only that, but his interview with Gene. Um, And and then this weekend coming up, you've got Las Vegas. So there's more and more experiences. Dr. Fox's review of his vault experience in Miami. I mean, there's there's a lot of podcasters doing it, but again, mainstream media – but then again, who in the mainstream wants to spend $2,000 on a vault? So – (laughs) so what do you see them doing for the rest of the year is it just going to be strictly gene simmons vault experiences maybe a few solo shows here and there then the cruise because well i I don't see them having much time to organize anything 
they have a few shows lined up in Europe and Spain and Portugal, I guess, that they're doing, which is really odd that they're going to truck that all the way over there to Europe for just a handful of shows. But I guess with the stage that they've used the last couple of years, it's really not anything special. It's not like they're bringing the spider or something like that over there. It's just um, a basic stage that they've been using the last few years. So I see them doing that, obviously, and I see them coming back here. And, you know, I think they'll do a couple of one-offs in the United States like they've done over the years when they're not doing a major touring act. They'll still do maybe a festival or two like they did that festival in Chicago last year. Casino. You know, maybe, yeah, or a casino or just a random show or two on the East Coast. I can see them doing something like that and doing the cruise and everything really revolving around Gene's, Gene's set-up vault schedule that's basically yeah. set up throughout the year. What what if they do another maybe possibility another uh, Las Vegas run you know like they did uh, another residency residency yeah it's possible you know uh, again that would probably be later later in the year uh, otherwise I hear noise but anyway Cat <laughs> uh, look look out again. look out your window. And tell me how hot it is in Northern California this week. It's um, warm. It's nice. It's seventy. Now, um, it's seventy-eight degrees here in San Francisco today. Yeah, My windows are open. <laughs> we don't have that problem here. One other thing is, uh, uh, I guess there's a recent interview, and, and still Paul is still touting the, uh, you know, kiss can go on without me kind of. Yeah, I saw that thing, and sorry, and sorry, uh, Paul. No. yeah, no. so. I don't think so, um, but they may try, or maybe they may think about it, and then uh, now it's like these, these guys are not going to live up to the the original. Um, it's and it, it probably will fall flat, you know. Yeah, because then you become Menudo. Com- completely. <laughs> Menudo. Completely. I, I, I'm sorry, you don't. On one of the threads discussing Paul's, you know, latest, I can see a kiss without myself in it. Well, Paul, um, time to get some glasses, buddy, because uh, you, you're, you're the heart and soul of Kiss. And for many people, you know, they, they, they say they can see Kiss without Gene Simmons because they've seen guys like Spiro who really look a convincing Gene. Well, I've heard a lot of guys who sound like a convincing Gene and Cookie Monster mode vocally. I've never heard a convincing Paul Stanley. I Paul Stanley has a gift and a rapport built on decades of decibels. Oh shit! There we go. Uh, decades of you know experience. No, kiss. We're on kiss, a podcast. Yeah, kiss forty. Yeah, uh, that was the the subtitle of that release, and I was actually listening to it today. That's um, right. That's the only reason I remember that. But you know, Paul Stanley is so much more than just a name and a makeup design. That the charisma that comes through of what he does on stage. I, I just, he says, I can see a kiss without me. I'm like, no, you fucking can't. It, you know? No, you're kidding yourself. Plus, he's kidding himself. He thinks he can see a kiss without him. I mean, he's, not only is he Paul Stanley, but he's the major decision maker of the band. I mean, all things, all things go through Paul Stanley. So. Everything goes through Paul. Nothing happens without Paul Stanley's seal of approval. Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons may be the, fa- the face of Kiss as far as television, well, before the, the whole Fox were dealing, and anyway. But, you know, Paul, Paul Stanley is the major decision maker. 
he's the ultimate boss in my opinion of kiss and i don't see how a kiss can continue without paul stanley i mean and he's been he's been the ultimate decision maker for how many how many of the 45 years has paul stanley been the guy so for probably since the 80s uh, yeah to a degree obviously but since maybe, the makeup came off yeah. Maybe, maybe before that somewhere somewhere yeah the control uh switched totally over to him um i think uh it may have happened around even well 80s of course but then he just kept kept that control i think all the way up to the you know the reunion uh and beyond and, and beyond I, I think i don't think it has wavered i think gene is kind of just gone along with it. I'm sure he has his input and everything. And, and I guess he could say no, uh, to something, but I think to a degree, Paul's gonna, is the final word. So, you know? so that being said, how can kiss go on without Paul Stanley? Yeah. I mean, you'd have to have a clone. Seriously. You'd have to have a, <laughs> like a clone to, to, to replace him. Um, you know, sometimes there is out there a, a you know a double of yourself, I guess they say, uh, somewhere in the world. But it's it's almost like I don't know. It's like think of talk about Journey with uh, that guy, uh, uh, I can't remember Arnell, who replaced Steve Perry. The guy sounds just like Steve Perry. Sure, he doesn't look the same as Steve Perry, but. He does a pretty, pretty good, darn, you know, darn good job out there. So, from that standpoint, I can almost—that's the only thing. He'd have to sound just like Paul, really, and have the charisma like you were talking about, um, to to for it to work. Yeah, because you know, it's, it's not just the charisma; it's the full package of Paul Stanley. There's how he holds himself, you know, just his sure. His, his, yeah. his body language on stage, his body language in interviews, the look. Yeah, yes. he, he's got that look he'll give someone. Uh, it, so it, it just transcends the voice. Uh, but then again, I, I've never heard, you know, out there, if you've heard someone who sounds like a, convin a convincing Paul Stanley clone, um, send us some YouTube clips because I would love to hear someone and see how close to my ear or what I see in my head when I listen to their stuff and, and mm -hmm. see if they really do, whether they stand half a chance of passing that test, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but again, no one ever has come close. No. 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 I mean, even if they talked about doing that, you know, I know that the old, you know, idol kind of thing, um, even if you've, it, you know, brought a whole bunch of people in, you still probably wouldn't find a guy that sounded like him. I, I think it would make for a very entertaining, probably Netflix or it'd Apple be entertaining series, for sure. You know, fi yeah. finding finding Paul Stanley or, or finding Star Child. Um, you know, going through <laughs> Star Child, going through the, you know, the training and camp and Paul Stanley. The here's how I warm up. Here's Kiss what camp. I do. And every every episode, he sets them a song that they have to perform. Yeah. In front of the baying hordes of KISS fans armed, to learn how are armed with makeup. Armed with whatever. You know, and okay, this week guys you're gonna do Heavens on Fire. Including the intro. 
Yeah. Would you have them all in makeup? Would everybody, would all the Paul Stanley's have to come out in makeup and costume? Totally. Because sometimes. Learn how to do the makeup. You really screw up the makeup, man. It'd be almost funny. It's like, look at that guy. That guy really screwed the star. I mean, put an extra star on, you know, or whatever. You put on the wrong eye. (laughs) The wrong eye, right. He's looking at the mirror. Eight, eight, eight trick. It does not have eight. We've all seen it. Star. We've all seen it happen. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, you would have to have them do the makeup because there are some yeah. people okay. whose faces just, so does, just doesn't fit it. Like, sure. You put a star on me, I'm going to look like an idiot. Well, I look like an idiot anyway, but there you go. It's just not going to work on some people. <laughs> their their hair, uh, you know, their everything about them has. They have to have the right physique. Sure. You know, they, they can't have a beer belly and a, and a hairnet shirt on and look, sound like Archie Bunker rolling out of bed. To Bunker. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you know, it, Edith. <laughs> but they, they also, it's not just singing voice because a lot of vocalists can imitate someone else reasonably well. They've got to be able to do the, uh, the raps. So that would be a great test. That would be actually a hilarious test. You have to replicate my rap from uh, Alive or Alive 2. Yeah. About cold gin. Uh, cold gin rap. <laughs> yeah. Orange juice and vodka and orange juice. You know, one, one of the tests. A love gun rap from Animalized Tour. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the Michael Jackson. Right. Yes, the Michael Jackson. Or a hundred thousand years, rock and roll preacher rap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, no, for uh, sure. Along, right. along with the lasso uh, microphone thing, you'd have half the guys swinging it, knocking themselves out, it right, be, knocking themselves in the head, or losing it to the, the camera. Yeah. Was it Spinal Tap where they did the swing and it went out in the audience and hit someone in the head, or you know, there was some movie that oh, like was, uh, Rockstar. Yeah, Rockstar. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, I, so I, I think the, the the end of that point is that it's a hell of a lot harder to be Paul Stanley than maybe it looks. You know, you should yeah. you should probably work start yourself at the Vince Neil and work your way up from there. <laughs> yeah, you could just ask your uh, you know your friend John, right? Um, John, he's done. Uh, yes, he, he does a pretty good Paul Stanley, but does he do a Paul Stanley level Paul Stanley? I don't know. You'd have to ask Jonathan how close he thinks he gets to uh, Paul. He certainly gets the yeah. energy, the attitude, and the you know. He's got the energy. Yeah. The, the total love for the band and the music. So, you know, yeah. for, for any of the guys in tribute bands, if if they can, you know, do it with respect, you know, it, it goes a long way towards being, you know, legitimate for what they're paying tribute to. All right, you you raised an important, in, I guess, an interesting question: Who rules Kiss? And, you know, what years was ruled by who? You know, let's go through some of these years. You know, Paul Stanley has owned the band pretty much since Sonic Boom. Would that be fair to fair to say that, you know, obviously he said, I was not going to make an album unless I had full control. Right. Uh, For sure. Right. But before that, you know, in, in the period Psycho Circus, who owned Kiss at that point? Which one of those two personalities held sway, do you think? Mm. I'd still say Paul. Yeah, I, 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 it's like Circus era, I'd say probably, probably Paul, um, more so than Gene. Um, 
I think Gene would have somehow tried to make it work to get all four of them in the studio to record it, uh, the album. Um, the same way he, you see him with with Ace today, right? He he's, gets on pretty well with Ace. Um, and I don't think Paul will get on the, you know, the same way with Ace as much as, you know, Gene does. So um, from that standpoint, I'm thinking, yeah, it's still Paul at, at Psycho Circus time. But yeah, Paul shows up for Ace's solo video, you know, Fire and, was well, it Fire and Water, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and participates in that. And has Gene done nothing that's that much bigger than performing in a music video with Ace? Well, he sat down and wrote a couple of songs with Ace. We know that. Um, uh, Ace has showed up at, uh, or he showed up at, uh, didn't Gene show up at Ace's show uh, when he was down in L.A.? Yeah, yeah, Or vice yeah. versa. Uh, and uh, and now with the vault thing, Ace showing up at L.A. and, and Miami, Miami. Um, and maybe more. Um, I, I just, you know, I just think... Gene has a better connection with Ace than, than Paul does. All right, so let's go back from uh, Psycho Circus into Unplugged. Who do you think owned the band during that era? Think of some of those set lists. At that time, I would say Gene, because Gene really came up with the idea of the KISS convention tour. And... Yeah. Selling, the, you know, selling the tickets for a hundred dollars a piece and putting on his very own Kiss convention. I would say Gene was calling the shots at that point, at least as far as the tour goes and as far as that small era goes. I would definitely say it, it was Gene for that time frame. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And uh, because the other thing is, he was probably the instigator for. Uh, raiding that uh, that uh, convention, right, to get their get some of their costume stuff back. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing he was probably the main guy because he's always was out there to, you know, either you know, cease and desist kind of stuff and and whatnot. See, I, I totally think that was more Paul. Really? You, oh, you a- do? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, that, that's just one of those things, you know, I think Gene was interested, but I think Gene was always more interested in hearing the sound of his own voice talking about all these sorts of things. Paul was actually paying attention to some of the shit going on in the background and knowing exactly who to target when and how to make the biggest possible statement. So that, that kind of, to me, speaks more of Paul's yeah. underlying laser focus of, I'm going to get you suckers and certainly did and then gene actually had an idea of what to do with all that shit you know oh okay let's take the the middleman out of it hey instead of you know 30 cents on the dollar if we do it ourselves we can make 60 cents on the dollar and if we take a loss it's tax deductible you know that that's kind of how i see (laughs) right that 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 relationship working gene's i I think a better mind it could have been about 50 50 then if from your point of view yeah at that time. But artistically, I think it was Gene who was more interested in playing some of those things. Uh, there was a lot. Well, I, I don't know. We'd have to do a real analysis of the unplugged. Oh, it, yeah, but yeah. It, it feels like there was more that Gene was kind of willing to 
you know, we could remember a bass riff here, uh, remember lyrics here. And Paul's just like, I, I don't remember. Paul wrote so much shit over the years, whereas mm-hmm. Gene wrote a lot of shit. Uh, take the difference in the enunciation of that word there. That Gene remembered a lot more because so much was based on the same kind of ideas for him that it was easier mm-hmm. for him to recall than it was Paul's. You know, it, he either performed it every day or forgot about it because it didn't count. It wasn't something that the fans considered worthy, so Paul didn't consider it worthy. Whereas mm-hmm. Gene's like, oh, it's just music. I remember this. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you think about some of the set lists though, with like Going Blind and See You Tonight. And some of those oh, other yeah. rare Gene songs that I think Gene... Road Without Heroes, he did that back yeah. then. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's another good one. So I think I think there's a there's a fair point in that with some of those set lists that were, that were pretty deep. And pretty <coughs> deep in Gene cuts anyway. Sure, Paul Stanley sang you know, his, his fair share of songs, but I think the Gene songs were much deeper than the Paul Stanley sung songs. Yeah, Paul Stanley had the opportunity in 1989 to show his deep catalog and, well... Yeah, solo tour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his solo tour was basically, the deep cuts were his solo songs. Other than that, you know, I Stole Your Love and Communication, or what was it? Yeah, Communication Breakdown. Communication Breakdown. So, all right, so let's take a step back. Revenge, who who is the controlling force there, Lonnie? Um... I would say Gene, actually, again. Um, it's a darker album, and I, I see Gene more in control. Actually, I think maybe the fair answer is maybe for the album itself. For the album itself, it's Bob Ezrin. I agree. It, it isn't real. For the album itself, mm-hmm. maybe for that era, maybe it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's Paul for the era, but for the album itself, I would say Bob Ezrin, because look at how different those albums were leading up to Revenge, and then you bring in a producer like Bob, and you bring in Finney Vincent to help write some songs. But you, but cool. Bob was able to harness something out of that band and get something that they hadn't been able to produce in the 80s for that album. So I'd say the driving force at that particular time is definitely Bob Bezman. Sorry, Who? Mark, you're not here. Who, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who called? Who called Vinny? First, it was a Gene. Julian, um, I believe Vinny yeah. and Vinny bumped into Gene at Nam. Ah, that's it. So that's where, yeah, because yeah, you just heard the stories, right? Um, about that. Yeah. At the convention. Yeah, but I, I don't pay that close attention, unfortunately. That's <laughs> that's what I. I, I <laughs> I, I'm still. Really so, no, I, 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 I'm waiting for someone to. Tra- oh. Come on, Kiss fans. No one's transcribed those interviews yet. I'm like, am I going to have to do this myself? Because you know, when I go back and take notes longhand, I then look down at my handwriting, and because I type all the time, I can't read it. So it becomes mm-hmm. like an endless circle going back. So but I, I think he said that he, they reconnected at Nam, and then they they he called Vinny, and so I think it was Gene. It was Gene. So, hey, you know, Gene. And I could see that because what I've seen in Paul's book regarding Vinny, I can't oh, see him reaching out to Vinny. <laughs> I, 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 I can see Vinny coming up to Paul at Nam saying, Hi, Paul, it's me, Vinny. And him looking the other way. And, oh, there no. goes me and Mr. Mustard walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, to, to, to that kind of extent. So, 
Who do I think rules Kiss during Revenge? Paul Stanley. Really? I don't. I don't think you get Bob Ezrin back in without Paul Stanley saying yes. I don't think you get Unholy as the leadoff single without Paul Stanley saying yes. I don't think you get Vinny Vincent back <laughs> in the picture without Vinny writing with Paul Stanley successfully. No matter how much it all seems geared towards Gene and Gene's image, and it's kind of like the album we all, well, Gene finally looks cool, um, Gene sounds good. Talk me down, voice of reason. Let, I don't know, let me say this. Let, let, me, me, let me say this real quick. If if Bob Ezrin wasn't producing that album and Paul Stanley was producing that album, Gene does not get the lead off single. Correct. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. I, I I completely agree with that. But I think if Paul Stanley doesn't want Bob Ezrin, Bob Ezrin doesn't produce that album. I think if Paul Stanley ultimately doesn't give his vote of approval to Gene and saying, okay, let's try this one your way. I've just done Asylum. I've done, I've been responsible for Crazy Nights. Um, I apologize for let's put the X in sex. We'll never talk about it again. Um, you know, Hot in the Shade is both of us just doing as little as possible to put out, out product. Um, okay, let's try it your way. You, you're, you're finally looking halfway presentable now, Gene. It's only taken you nine years since the makeup came off. Um, no, I, well, I don't. I don't see Paul seeding anything ever, willingly. Well, they had the trial song, right? Uh, God gave rock and roll to see what. Yes, God gave rock and roll to you as the trial song to see if it would still work. I mean, who who you think Paul contacted Bob Ezrin on that or? No, that that just, that came through the the movie studio wanted a kiss they were song approached. and and yeah. they wanted a kiss song produced by Bob Ezrin. So that was yep. kind of so. like here. Have some money, but you can only have this pile of green if you do. Really? Okay. You know, so they were, they were obviously both of them. And at that point, they take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come on. After after the Hot in the Shade album tanks, essentially, even with uh, Forever being a big hit, yeah. it, it wasn't. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a successful album. It was a, you know, a very successful tour. Two different things. And, you know, maybe it's a roll of the dice. But I think Paul would have had conditions attached to that and said, okay, if it works, if that God gave rock and roll to you to single is successful, then we'll give him a chance. Gene is much more likely to be able to work with people. His attitude towards it is less about the personality side of things of you slighted me. You disagreed with me. Um, he's, he's more pragmatic in that sense that I see him say, well, let's give it a try. He seems a little bit more open than Paul remembering you didn't like that solo or you didn't like my song. Bitch. It, that's how I perceive them, and I don't know either of them on a personal level or have been in a studio with them. So um, th- that's just how I perceive their, their kind of like their personality quirks coming through. So I, I totally get it, but I still think Paul was the ultimate one to say, okay, we'll give Ezrin a try, and if he fucks it up again, <clears throat> then there would have been no then, revenge. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but the. They had the success with Guy Gave Rock and Roll Union. So, just, so, I don't know. I, I still think Gene had, had more of a control. Or, you know, or maybe their, their manager. 50-50. Maybe it was 50-50. Maybe their manager at the time, too, was, was, because I've heard interviews oh, with, yeah. with Larry saying, with Larry saying that, you know what, I want the demon as a leadoff with the leadoff single and the first song on the album. Now, whether that really happened, 
Whether he's the one who said that, I don't know. But Larry, de- I've definitely heard Larry saying that. Maybe, maybe Larry had a lot of influence on him at that point, too, after the success that they had on the Hot in the Shade Tour, where he was, you know, kind of calling how they were looking and, and kind of getting them back to looking like a decent-looking band and not yeah. just ridiculous. <laughs> so I think Larry had some influence on him at the time, too, I think. All right, so go, Good point. go, go listen to the excellent Three Sides interview with Larry, right? Because they did, sure. they, they did quite. They a did, and it, it, it's a great interview. Yeah, and I, I can't remember the details off the top of my head on that one, so go check that one out, and that's probably your answer yeah. of okay. where who owns Kiss during Revenge may not even be Gene or Paul, maybe Larry, yeah. or lower Curly. Um, right. Okay, let's <laughs> let's go back. We're gonna we're gonna skip smashes because that's just deniable. Oh. Um, Hot in the Shade, who owns that? And obviously, smashes comes before that, but. Um, I'm going to say Paul Stanley's still Paul on Stanley. that. Paul Stanley. Paul. It's going to get real Paul here. I have to agree. Yeah, <laughs> it gets very Paul here for a while. Smashes is obviously Paul because, you know, if he was the only one who could be bothered. Which is a shame because, Ken, as you're going to find out when you listen to The Vault, Gene was generating quite a lot of good stuff that could easily have been worked up for, you know, one song from each of the month's Smashes instead of those dreadful... No. Well, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to listening to, because I think even though Gene was kind of out doing his movie thing and not totally dedicated, except when he was on the, you know, touring, um, I think Paul, as his way of getting back at him, is my theory is uh, that he poo-pooed, you know, a lot of Gene Simmons' better material. So Paul would have the better material than his, than Gene on those his revenge, you know. Yeah, just <laughs> just just wait till you hear it, and then you'll completely understand why that really seems to be the case. Because, um, you know, I don't want to talk too much about the vault material, but stuff like um, we'll get to that. Uh, you, you know, when we do that. Yeah. Episode. Yeah. No mercy, which was you know talked about in in the eighty seven eighty nine period. Um, some of the other stuff, it you know. Yeah, he he totally. I mean, imagine, and, and you know, we'll get to that when we do we do that review. But imagine, there's a lot very good possibility that their albums could have been a lot better overall. Um, yeah, w- w- without a doubt. But we'll we'll cover that some other time. Yeah, yeah. For episodes oh, yeah. I can't participate. <laughs> no, Lonnie, you're just gonna have to listen <sighs> to one of our episodes that we you got a birthday coming up, Lonnie, or something. Not that much of a milestone. I don't get that much for my birthday, Hotshot. Next, <laughs> next ten Christmases. Forget it. <laughs> you, you have to remember that Lonnie did drag Becky to the Rock and Pot Expo last year, so. Uh, and Atlanta. And Atlanta. <laughs> so so no. I can't complain too much. Say no more. All right, Crazy Nights, obviously, Paul. Yeah. No debate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no debate. I, I have no debate. On where's that. Gene holding up his thong on the back of the album? I mean, it's all Paul <laughs> I don't think Gene wanted that producer. Uh, I, I would, yeah, I would say he he didn't want the Ron Nevison. No. For, but where Paul? Well, Paul they Paul waited. Did. They waited for him. Yeah, they to had, become available. They did. 
Um, and, and just going off on a quick crazy nights tangent, obviously I've continued to work on interviews for the 30th anniversary of, um, crazy nights, which is of course danger zone. And I've just added a new interview this week to the website, which is kissdangerzone.com. And it's with the only credited backing vocalist on that album, Tom Kelly. If you don't know who he is, um, I did a quite a shitload of research actually going into that interview. I don't usually have to do a ton, but you know, Ken, the amount of, you know, Dan Fogelberg, which is not in my wheelhouse whatsoever, sure. you know, worked with him and Fool's Gold, Madonna. He co-wrote oh, wow. like a, he co-wrote like a virgin. Oh really? really? Yeah. Wow. And, wow. He, and he sang the original demo to that, and it was uh, picked up by Michael Austin, the son of Mo Austin, who anyone who knows anything about Van Halen knows who Mo is. Um, so it's a it's a really kick-ass interview. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it, it's a little light on the Kiss side, okay. so if you're going in there thinking that he's going to be sitting down recalling every moment with uh, you know working with Paul Stanley on the vocals, no, it's it's very general in those terms. Much much more interesting in terms of heart, and mm. you know like they recorded the original version of Alone, which was Heart's okay. big breakout yeah. number one. Oh yeah. So uh, that's just an aside, but getting back to okay, interesting. The, cra- the crazy nights there. I mean, it, it's obviously Paul. And, yeah, and Paul. again, it, that's going to be a discussion that we have after you've listened to the Vols, because a lot of Gene's contributions that are shot down are on there. Mm-hmm. And they leave you scratching your head going, mm. what could have been maybe if my way was replaced, replaced with, oh, uh, dial L for love, or are you always this hot? Mm-hmm. Or show mercy, or, or no mercy. I can't remember what it is, but it was mentioned around the time right. in interviews. You know that it was so obviously Paul, but then again, Gene was so obviously absent. He's off there with Black and Blue. He's off there with EZO. He's out there with Keel. He's doing all these Producing. fucking awful movies. You know, Trick and Treat, Wanted Dead or Alive, um, Red Surf. Yeah. Um, what's that that one with John Stamos and Vanity where he plays the Never Too Young to Die Never Too Young to Die so, so that's know. all the crazy oh. nice era those are all reason enough to punish Gene never gonna watch it again and then <laughs> and then for him to have said had the audacity to say that he'd taken lessons for two years and for acting and then to go in all all those shit movies so no I don't like Gene Simmons acting career and I I, I'm, I will never pretend otherwise but yeah all right, go back to Asylum. Okay. Paul Stanley again, right? Paul Stanley again. Yeah. Come on. But interesting on that one where it said, doesn't isn't that the album that says produced by Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons? Yeah. Yeah. So. It doesn't mean it's I'm just saying he's more. <laughs> doesn't mean he's that 50. much more involved. But uh, yeah, I think it's still. Uh, Paul. Still the Paul Stanley album. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's Paul. I mean the single. I mean controlling it. The, all the singles are Paul. Even you know, I mean it's it's totally Paul Stanley. There's no single. It's only yeah, one single. Gene Simmons. There's only one single on that album. It's Tears Are Falling. The other ones are just videos. Uh, oh, that's Julian corrects me again. Sorry. <laughs> Except in Europe where All Night was released. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, Paul. Paul. Paul again. All right. So back to Animalize. Paul. Yeah. Yeah. That's when. That's yeah. totally. Dean was really starting to venture out at that point, and 
Gene's really absent and there. He produced the Paul produced it. Well, took it over from um, um, Michael James Michael James Jackson, Jackson right? Um, and uh, and Gene's songs on there were fucking awful. Pretty lacking in in quality on that one. Not his best material. I think that was the um, one that Gene did totally phone in. And yeah, there's no question. You know, obviously more, more than any other one, I'd say that one. That's yeah, that's true. the one. But, but burn, bitch, burn, burn murder, murder, and high yeah. heels. I mean, there's just some awful Gene tracks on there. And I don't know. It's 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 definitely Paul Stanley. Make it still makes me go back to a show we had earlier, but makes you. Just think what what that album could have been if had Vinny still been involved at that point. It could have been oh, so much better than the piece of garbage that that album turned out to be. A ton better. You know what? <laughs> Forget that. What that album could have been if Gene was involved, let alone oh, Vinny. Yeah. Because, again, he has songs in that period that are perfectly fine. And on the back cover of that one, it says associate producer Gene Simmons. That's why it says produced by <laughs> Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons on Asylum. Because Gene wasn't going to let himself be demoted to associate producer again. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen again. Regardless of the fact that he wasn't there. How much do you think he produced that album? No. That that, that was just because he said, Paul, don't do that to me again. You embarrass me. He said, I don't go for that stuff. This is <laughs> dark, <child. laughs> All right, lick it up. All right. I, w- so, I want to uh, go back to Dynasty, by the way, before we, we call this okay. quits. That's as far as back as I'm aiming on going. But that's okay. fine. But but lick it up. Yeah, lick it up. I think is about a fifty-fifty thing at that point still, except for the fact that it was Paul Stanley's, I think, idea to you know uh, go without the makeup at that time. I know he wanted to go off of it for creatures, but. Gene was reluctant, uh, but then fell in line on Lick It Up. Um, but I think that's that's still Gene is still on, you know, running on all cylinders from a carryover from uh, Creatures of the Night. So, but I think it's fifty-fifty. I think yeah, I, I think fifty-fifty is good. That I think that, that each each one of them had a lot of creative control, even though a third guy was writing the majority of the songs at the time. Though. <laughs> the Vinnie Vincent solo album there. Yeah. Right. I mean, a third guy wrote the majority of, of, of the songs on there, but I think um, Gene and Paul were, were pretty much on the same page at that point as far as creative control, I, I think, too. But Julian may, Julian may have a different opinion than, than you and I can. Nope. I, I, oh. I totally agree with you, but I do kind of... I might actually go 60-40 for Gene on that one because he was the only one who got a solo right on that, included on that album. And I just don't see him being able to do so at a time where, you know, it was so important to have publishing and all those sorts of details. But 50-50, you know, what's 10% amongst friends? All right, Creatures of the Night. Gene. Yeah. And going back to what Ken said, too, about Paul wanting to take the makeup off and Gene being reluctant and them sticking with it and the sound. Again, again, what I said, kind of like with Revenge, I think the sound on it just sounds more like a Gene record, in my opinion, too, than, you know, Revenge and Creatures have a lot in common as far as their sound goes. And I think it more relates to a Gene Simmons um, style. So I'd say for sure it's, it's more Gene on this one. I agree with that. 
Gene. One word. <laughs> Kiss killers. Paul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and therein lies the big difference. between They're all recorded around the same time, the creatures tracking killers. But one, you have the focus on Paul Stanley, or Paul Stanley has the focus uh, where he's telling Michael James Jackson more about where to go with the material. And then you have Gene's material doing more with Michael James Jackson than Paul's with creatures. So, you know, there's a dynamic shift in that brief period of time when they're all kind of messed up after the elder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which takes us nicely to the elder. (laughs) Who Who gets to own the Brown album? That's just, that's Gene. That's Gene. And, and Bob. As Rena, you gotta say too, just gotta throw that, that in there whenever Bob's involved. Uh, but it was Gene's story, right? Um, right. I think he showed it to Bob, right? And and Bob kind of like took it and ran with it. And they're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be, yeah, this will be great. This is great. You know? um, but so Paul Stanley went along for the ride on that one, and along with uh, Ace and. Uh, and Eric, so I, 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 yeah, Gene, because it's, it's his concept, initial. Hmm. I can't decide on that one because you're the yeah. You're kidding me. This is the one everybody's waiting to hear. You're the one who wrote the wrote a book on it. Yeah, but you know, after after doing that, you just find out that they really didn't want to record an album. That they were desperate, they had to record an album, and that's why Bob jumped on the idea so enthusiastically as a way of forcing them to be creative to do an album. So who who owns that? I mean, Gene didn't want to. Gene was doing other stuff. He was looking for ways to maybe be out of Kiss. Um, Paul wasn't wasn't feeling creative at the time. So who should own that one? How about throw that one at Ace? Ace owns the Elder. I don't think he'll claim it. No. They started off with the one to doing a, a rock album, um, but it, it didn't, you know, obviously it went the elder yeah, way. You know, the rock album, they weren't feeling it. It felt like generic. It felt like it. Like they did it already. Like right? it was forced, that there was nothing new in it. So, um, again, that, that's why Bob. You know, it was the only way to get them to do an album and to get market recognition, even though Bob was irrelevant to a certain extent. So I, I think I'll have to just cop out and agree with you on Wait the gene. I'm going to say that the cocaine ruled the elder. <laughs> Music from another dimension. But I love the elder. I got to say, I, I, I love that. I, I, I have no problems with it whatsoever. I Again... When cocaine's involved, typically it ends up calling all the shots. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so maybe plant that one. Well, you can't plant it on Bill for, uh, you know, being an, ab- being an absentee mm-hmm. landlord since he's no longer with us to defend himself or anything we say. All right. Un- unmasked. Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley. Yeah, Paul Stanley, ever since he got that hit on the prior album of uh, you know I was made for loving you um, I think he just fell in line and like oh, I'm gonna, you know write some more of those type hits or whatever um, so yeah he, I mean which he can he can write very melodic and very well 
written songs. But um, yeah, it's he had the stronger material on the album. Um, though even though Naked City is my favorite song on the album, but uh, he, he overall he had the you know the most material. I, what Gene only had two songs, I think, or three, three. Um, but uh, and, and really, Naked City is the one that stands out for him. But yeah, you know, Paul Stanley with Tomorrow and uh, Easy as It Seems and, and a number of other ones. Um, he's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. The sound of that album, the songs on that album. I think, I think Ken brings up a good point where Paul had a, a radio-friendly hit on Dynasty, and let's see what else I could do to be to have a top forty hit. Because um, the formula worked before. It's Shandy for Australia. Even sure. Yet. Yeah. All right. Julian. Which? Uh, yeah, I, I already agreed with Paul Stanley on that one, which is the same for Dynasty. Oh yeah, you said it. Yeah, right. Dynasty is the same. You, you can take what we said about Unmasked and just plan it on Dynasty. <sighs> which, which, Dynasty. Is, which is a shame because, you know, for me, Dynasty is actually Ace's, you know, Ace's moment. carryover kind of from uh, his solo album to a degree. Yeah, the, the quality of his songs on that particularly save, save Your Love. Um, obviously, 2000 yeah. Man. Hard Times. Time. I love Hard Times. Yeah, hard, hard times. Yeah. It's, it's just you know him at his best, rockingness. But yeah. uh, save your love, incredible. Com- comparing you know hard times to anything Paul did on that album, you can't because Paul stuff sure knows something. I'm sorry, as a perfectly crafted pop song, it's just absolutely stellar. Magic touch, not necessarily in the right key, uh-huh. but for for my likes, is a little bit too high. But uh, Ace's stuff, just perfection in rock. Yeah, why did uh, Paul Stanley? He got allowed to do the or whatever the the disco you know song "I Was Made for Loving You," but then Gene Wright won around that same time. Yeah, as you'll find out when you get your vault. Uh-huh. I think I, well, I think I remember hearing it when I was down in L.A. But uh, and you know, it's not bad. I mean, he can no, do it. Freaking awful. Julian <laughs> <laughs> said. Julian said he already horrible. deleted it. I mean, it, it's a demo, but. It's awesome. There, there are are actually two disco songs on the vault and by Gene, and they're just atrocious. I mean, we're not talking about Forever or Heartthrob. You know, Forever's got a little bit of a disco-y kind of uh, vibe going to it, but the the ones that are full on disco are just, you know. And then there's Gene being Paul Stanley on some, you know, with kind of shandy like. Oh. Yeah. No. Gene needs to stick to see you tonight and the Beatle type stuff not yeah that's what he's best at not go to the dark side where paul stanley can quite happily reside because he's got you know the the voice he's got the lyrical kind of tools with which to work with gene you know when when it's forced doesn't work when it's honest you know Mm. you know one of my favorite gene ones on the on the vault actually is uh always near you okay which obviously I went, original, yeah, yeah, original version of it, which I went gaga for when he performed a little bit of it, on, it on, on acoustic, yeah. yeah. So, all yeah, right, I love that. That that t- that takes us, you know, back to Dynasty on who owned Kiss or who kind of ruled the the roost at that time. You know, do you agree with us? Do you disagree vehemently? You know, who who owns Kiss? I mean, it's 
we'll have to revisit this for the rest of the albums at some point. But rest uh, albums, it's it's going to be a little bit different, I think. Then it gets, it, yeah. you know, once you're through the solo once you get into those original albums, then it's a little different. The mm-hmm. core, I think, is going to require a little bit more debate and another person on the panel. So let's leave that there. That's a, a, a good kind of diverse episode for today. You know, wherever you listen to us, chime in with your thoughts. Who ruled Kiss? What is Kiss doing in 2018? Um, are they kind of taking it easy as they plan out their last hurrah and all these other bands uh, announce their farewells? Um, what do you think? What's going on in, in your mind for what Kiss is going to do over the next probably um, 10 to 12 months? So wherever you are, chime in. Let's hear your opinions. And if not, we thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again. Bye.